Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Today is Sunday, December 6th. Clemson Tigers are the number one team in the country. ACC stands for another Clemson championship. We're the only undefeated team in college football, and life is good. This is your host, Nick Tully. I'm joined today with, by Ben Welty. And um, we're here to recap the ACC championship game and talk about uh, really Clemson's victory and 13-0 season. Um, great news. It was an awesome game last night. Um, before we get into that, we wanted to... Um, encourage you all to subscribe to us. Um, you guys know what to do. Um, depending how you found this podcast, um, we're going to be recording a number of good episodes in the coming weeks leading up to the uh, first playoff game on New Year's Eve. We've got about 25 days in that stretch. So we're hoping to get some good interviews, probably get some Oklahoma guys, hopefully some national college football media personalities, and then guys from throughout the Clemson kind of blogosphere and personalities and stuff. So uh, make sure you subscribe to us. Um, so you don't miss any of that action. Um, ben, before we get into our recap here, um, what are what are we doing tonight by way of beer? Well, we'll let this fire truck pass. <laughs> we'll let the dog howl. <laughs> and then we'll talk about the beer. Cool. Um, so noticed um, some random... <laughs> Should we keep going? <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Y'all don't mind. Um, we noticed some random Kansas Jayhawk fan was commenting on uh, Shaking the Southland on our last post about how we're not paying attention enough to the Midwest when we talk about beers. We're just talking about the West Coast and the East Coast. Um, turns out that Kansas Jayhawk fan is uh, one of our good friends, Brandon, who actually listens to the podcast for some reason. It must be because the Jayhawks are over 12 in football this year, and he has to rally behind some football program. Um but he was nice enough to, to actually get us some Midwestern beers uh, for this show, and we are drinking them tonight. The first one that we have popped open here is uh, it's a Prairie Artisan Ale. It's called Prairie Hop. It's a dry hop Belgian-style ale. Um, turns out it's from Oklahoma. We'll give him a break on that one because he didn't know the playoffs uh, seedings before, before, <laughs> uh, before the show here. Uh, it's and very you want to know your enemy, right? You want to know what they drink? Yeah, exactly. Um, I'd say they have a decent uh, taste in beer. Um, a very interesting label. I'm really into the labels of the beers. You know, my fiance Sarah kind of judges a wine by the label that they have, so I'm getting into that with beer. Apparently, this is all the things that you would find on a prairie. We got some mushrooms in the grass, some dandelions, a snail, a moth. What's that there? Uh, looks like a a mouse of some type. Is that a tip mouse, Ben? <laughs> Looks like a titmouse from here. <laughs> it's a titmouse. <laughs> I had to look that one up. Um, it's also a beetle. And a, and a pair of eyeglasses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this beer is pretty good. I mean, I think it's sort of like a farmhouse ale. Um, yeah, there's hops, but I think it's definitely more of a Belgian style. Like You got a malty note, um, so it's good. So it know. turns out a titmouse is actually a little gray bird. <laughs> it's not a titmouse. What <laughs> no. am I thinking of? This might be a, fi- this might be a, a, a field mouse. Got it. Either That's way, there's some type of mouse. Some type of mouse you would find on the prairie in Oklahoma. Uh, speaking of farmhouse sales, he also got us from Boulevard Brewing in Kansas City, a Tank 7. Um, it is a farmhouse sale. It is absolutely delicious. Um, I think Boulevard, you can pretty much get all over the country. They make a lot of good beers, especially their Smokestack series. They also have some seasonal ales. Um, so this one's really good. Haven't popped it open yet, but really looking forward to, to getting into this one after the, uh, after the, the prairie. 
Very good. Um, and yeah, anybody else out there with beer recommendations, please hit us up. Um, we're on Twitter. You can comment in Shaking the Southland on one of our posts. Um, if we can get it, we'll check it out. And, um, you know, I think you guys mentioned like a beer pen pal thing on the last. Yeah, Brandon's going to be my beer pal. Perfect. He's going to move back to Kansas City and we're going to exchange beers. So I encourage everybody that listens, find yourself a beer pal from some other part of the country. It'll pay off. Cool. Well, we got your, your backs out here in California. So on to the meat of the podcast here, um, recapping the ACC championship game. Then uh, Clemson, we took care of business. We got our 13th win, um, won our second ACC title game. Last one was in 2011. Florida State's really out of str- the conference in a stranglehold. Um, so it was great, obviously, to see us you know, continue the magical undefeated season. Um, maybe as a, as a fan, where would you put this? Like, how, how does it feel, basically, day after? Well, it's... It's a surreal feeling, and it really is. It's a great feeling. It's one that I've never felt before, really. Um, out of you know, all my time being a sports fan, only once before really has the team that I rooted for won it all, and that was the Atlanta Braves back in 1995. Uh, the Indians. Yeah, and so I've never seen Clemson reach anything like this. And I know we've got two more games to go. Uh, but to be 13 or no and the number one team in the country, and you just won your conference championship. This is the the pinnacle of Clemson football since I've been alive, and so it's it's just really to take a step back and enjoy the moment. You know, we've got how many ever 26 days or whatever till our next game. So there's we're not going to really get a lot into looking ahead um, in, in this episode. We really want to reflect on what it means to us and, and the game itself and. Yeah, I mean, just for me, it's it's a really, really cool thing. You know, we've defeated three top ten teams on the year. we got two more to go. Um, it is really nice looking down that schedule and seeing all those Ws uh, next to the score. Um, it, it really, you know, it's, it's an exciting feeling. It's an exciting time for Clemson football, and this is just the beginning. I mean, we're going to be a better team next year. Um, and just to know that this isn't just a one-year thing, this is something that's been building. You know, Dabo kind of brought this program. We've had several 10 and 2 seasons now in a row. And while we've all been happy with those, after a certain point, you're like, okay, where do we go from there? Well, where you go from there is 13-0 ACC champions going to the college football playoffs. Um, and the last thing I'll say, you know, just big thanks to the, to the team and the coaching staff and Dabo and what he's um, instilled at Clemson uh, in, in the football program. Such, they're all they're all great representatives of the university. They make us proud to have gone there, um, and all the hard work and dedication they have to put a product on the field that is really just at the end of the day just entertainment for us. Um, yeah, I couldn't couldn't thank them more for all the hard work. And then the fans, you know, you guys have shown up all year. You represent the university well. You're you're always classy. It's great to see uh, the uh, the stadium in, in Charlotte, Bank of America Stadium, just filled out in orange in UNC's backyard, supporting this Clemson Tiger team and everybody that showed up for the pizza party uh, today. It's yeah, just really it's awesome. 30,000 is what the school reported. I just got an email. It, yeah, it just reinforces the idea of community, and that's why Dabo fits in so well at Clemson, and that's one of the reasons why I could possibly see him never leaving for anything else. And, again, you know, no matter what happens from here, you know, thanks to everybody involved for what's happened up until this point because it's really been a fantastic run, and I've I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I think for me, I'm completely still amped up about this. Thirteen and O's, crazy, unreal achievement. Something I don't even think in our wildest dreams we we had aspirations for in 2015. Just you know, if you, you could go back and listen to our 
preview of the season. Um, I think our ceiling, we were, we had us in like the one loss, you know, possibility of an undefeated season, but you know, I definitely wasn't expecting this. So, um, I would say, I mean, this is our second ACC title since, since they've started, since we expanded the conference and brought some more teams in, um, completely different feeling though, from that win beating Virginia tech. I think that we were the underdog in that game. Um, that, that win was basically the pinnacle of that season. Um, even getting into a, our first BCS game was huge. And, you know, whatever happened in the Orange Bowl, I think we we're all pretty happy to just to get get through that that milestone. But look look at how this team and or these teams and this program has handled massive uh, embarrassing defeats like that. The West Virginia game in the Orange Bowl and also the the FSU game uh, a couple of years ago um, where Jameis's first year. Uh, we've really bounced back, and we they have turned every single one of these negative, embarrassing moments into a positive and grown and gotten better from there. Very different than what South Carolina has done uh, during Steve Spurrier's tenure down there where they had all those great seasons but weren't able to capitalize, and now they're back in the dumpster. Yeah, I mean, for me, just last night even after the game, um, hanging out with friends after the bar where we watched the game, I was just like, you know, it's tough to remember, but think about those disappointing games those just you know tragic losses or um, embarrassing losses I was at the Orange Bowl for the West Virginia game yeah I was know, too. think back to that and now think think about this and let it sink in and just appreciate you know it's not always going to be like this and we'll probably get one of those embarrassing losses in the next couple of years you know it, that's just the cycle of football but yeah no it's hard to do this I mean it's hard to go undefeated as you see because we're the only undefeated team in, the, in college football right now mm-hmm. um, but yeah I mean for me I think last night was about it's awesome and trying to appreciate it, but at the same time, like job's not done yet. There's an element of relief to winning that game. And then, you know, I, I just had more confidence going into that game and, you know, yeah, it was close and tight early. Um, North Carolina at one point, you know, we'll get into the game recap here, but um, you know, they could have taken a third quarter lead and probably would add a ton of good momentum and that would have changed the complexion of the game. We got a timely interception there. So I don't know, I just generally had more confidence in this game. It was, you know, a great win. Um, and it's just been an amazing year. So, do you think we're ahead of schedule? Yeah, I mean, I think you know if you if you talk about the phases that Dabo has brought to this team, sort of the the Taj Boyd era ended. Um, Chad Morris has moved on. So, kind of 2013, sorry, 2014 was rebuilding transition year, moving on to kind of the Deshaun Watson offensive era. Um, I'd say we're this time of the year is you know this time of Deshaun Watson's tenure. Um, I'd say we're on schedule, maybe a bit ahead. I think everyone's talking about 2016 being when our talent level coalesces as a program. Um, but I feel like right now we're we're there. Um, yeah. Know, earlier in the year, the fact that our defense, um, after losing all those guys to the, to the league, I think we've been ahead of schedule defensively, but um, offensively we're clicking where I expected we would. I mean, and, and I've, I, I've said this many times that 2016 was really going to be our year. And I still think we're kind of ahead of schedule. And I am surprised uh, with all these success. Well, not necessarily the success, but the fact we were able to run the table. Because, again, it's really hard to do with a, you know, a defense that doesn't have a lot of depth and is just gassed at this point in the season because our, our bye week was so early on. Um, and then an offensive line, they were, did they replace every starter? I mean, just to be able to gel mm-hmm. uh, together um, so well. And then Deshaun Watson, his first full season as a starting quarterback, yeah, we knew he was, spe- was special, but how was that going to play out throughout the course of the year? Was he going to stay well, uh, health- Was he going to stay healthy? Health was I mean, a 
major talking point. He had that moment, I think, at the end of the third quarter in this game where he went down, and we all just, like, everybody in the bar and uh, that we were at just held their breath. There was a huge gasp, just hoping he would be okay. And it's not something we've experienced a lot this year, which going into the season I know there was a concern. Um, but every you know, time he bends over to adjust his socks, I know. I gosh, man, get him some socks to stay up because <laughs> it, every time it gets me. Um, so yeah, and I, I, I still, and I'm happy to say that I think we're a little ahead of schedule here. Right. Um, well, and I think that goes back to coaching. I mean, yes, we've recruited the talent level here, but, um, what the defensive, what Brent Venables and his, um, group staff has done, you know, it's just been nothing short of amazing for this year yeah no the the coaching staff gets mvp you know aside from deshaun watson uh just for what they're able to do and it starts with recruiting it starts with coaching uh, guys up and then just taking really really talented guys and and keeping their heads straight um and being able to produce the product that they do and uh just you know the way we go out there and fight every time we stay focused and we don't let all the hype get to us. I mean, that was one of the biggest issues. I mean, we were such a young team, and to throw this team in as number one, um, you know, from the get-go, from the first playoff rankings, I think we jumped from like four or five at that point uh, when the first college football rankings came out to jump us to number one. You see how hard it was last year for a team to remain number one. Ole Miss, I think, lost right away maybe. Uh, but to be able to maintain that throughout the whole time, yeah, there's been some questions about whether or not we actually deserve to be number one at some times, but Jeff Long came out and said today after the rankings released, there was no question Clemson's the number one team in the country. Yeah, and doesn't hurt that we're the only undefeated team left standing, but um, to go wire to wire, I mean, there were moments there where I thought Alabama might jump us you know, the past couple of weeks, uh, but good to see that. I think that guaranteed us the trip to Miami. Hopefully that's easier to get to for our fans. Um, and we will be facing off the Oklahoma. So um, Oklahoma was number three coming into the weekend. They did not have a 13th game. Michigan State did. They beat a top five team in Iowa. So I wasn't surprised necessarily that Sparty jumped them. Um, and I think, you know, we'll play whoever. I'm, so, uh, I'm not necessarily glad or sad about having to face off the Oklahoma. We'll definitely get into previewing that in subsequent episodes. So let me ask you this real quick. So I think aside from us, you mentioned us being undefeated. It was easy to keep us at number one. Uh, but do you think that perception would have been different if, let's say, Florida was actually a good team in the SEC and Alabama put a pretty handy you know, beating on them and won that game fairly easily and Clemson struggles against the North Carolina team, which wasn't maybe ranked so high or the ACC conference um, wasn't doing as well. Do you think this is a sign that the ACC conference is really improving and that, you know, the, the fact that we weren't just undefeated but ACC champions, like, that means something now. I think it does because we have a lot of teams on the rise. I think we do too, and I would say, I, you know, we haven't talked about it yet, but hats off to North Carolina. They had a great year. Um, they actually represented the Coastal very well. The Coastal, um, you've also got Pitt. Like, Pitt had a pretty good year. I think they had 10 wins. Uh, I think less than that, because they didn't end up ranked. I'm not okay. sure where they ended up. I think maybe eight, but Miami had eight wins <laughs> through everything yeah. they've I gone mean, through. So the, we've talked about it. The Coastal is kind of middle-heavy as a, as a division, but um, I, I do think the ACC is on the rise, and it doesn't hurt to have Notre Dame largely associated with us. That gives our conference, you know, Notre Dame's going to be overrated, so they're going to be heavily ranked. We win a couple games as a conference there. That's going to boost 
And I think, honestly, I think for me, this is actually one of the few years where I don't think Notre Dame was over overrated or overranked. Uh, but you look at that, like the three top ten teams we've beaten. There were two ACC teams and then the quasi-Notre Dame team. So, I mean, it's not like these top ten teams are one SEC at a, at a conference or something like that. No. There, there's legitimately uh, three top ten ACC teams coming into the championship game last night, plus Notre Dame. Yeah, and ACC, it, there were... SEC doesn't have that. Definitely. I, I think as a conference, we are on the rise, and they've been they made some really good coaching hires. You've got Mark Richt coming into the league. You've got Justin Fuente replacing Frank Beamer, who, you know, Beamer ball hasn't really been a thing for a number of years here um, since basically 2011. So, um, you know, I think good to good for the future of the ACC, and you've got Florida State. We know they're going to reload. Jimbo Stink put there. Clemson, we're doing what we're doing. So, um yeah, it's all about. I think we have the elite teams. I Louisville will will bounce back under Bobby Petrino. Um, we we've now got a really strong group of very very good football teams. It's about how we fill in the gaps, kind of in that mid level mm-hmm. uh, level of success. You know, the we need the, to get the four top. teams in the like upper crust, not yeah two teams effectively. Yeah, so. or even to fill out. I mean, I, I think outside of our top ten teams, who else is ranked? Is there any 15, 10 to twenty five ACC teams? So to start to have those teams bring themselves up, and we'll see how bowl season plays out. I think that will go a long way into telling us how we stack up. I think like NC State plays Mississippi State. That's a very interesting game for me. Yeah, uh, just to see where yeah how we stack up against Miami plays Wazoo. You know, that's going to be high scoring. Yeah, so, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how the ACC does. But I think overall, improving as a conference, and we will, I don't think we're yet, but we will and should start getting some more respect. Let me ask you this. Um, if we go to an 18 playoff, which everyone thinks is an inevitability, I'm not so sure. But I feel like if that happens, Notre Dame is going to be less and less incentivized to join the ACC. Whereas with four... You know, they could clearly keep, they continue to prioritize and promote uh, conference winners because they play all these ACC teams but don't have an opportunity to win the ACC championship. Exactly. So if they lose like one to one of these ACC teams, but they don't have the opportunity to win that championship, yeah, that, that that's held against them. If it does go to eight, and I think that's probably what they're holding out for, um, yeah, they are less incentivized to, to join. And I think. I don't know. I think the NCAA should just come down and be like, listen, you have to be in a conference because I don't like this. Yeah, we you just know, won't rank you. you know, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't like this. Uh, we're just not going to be in a conference. We're going to play one less game or whatever, and you know, we're going to weasel our way in there because we're an independent. <clears throat> well, and they're fairly affiliated with us now, but I actually feel like you know, there's sort of a, ma- a perfect match here in the Big 12. They don't have a conference championship game. They need two more teams to join. They could quickly add, you know, um, potentially BYU. BYU and Notre Dame, there you go. That kind of solves the independent problem. That would hurt the ACC, though, because uh, Notre Dame is part of our conference in every other sport. And if we could bring them on full-time in football, I mean, that would be a huge boost to the ACC brand. I mean, John Swafford needs to get on that hard, and I don't have a lot of faith in him to really do anything. Um, He's done absolutely nothing when it comes to signing a television contract deal. We keep hearing it's years off. It's like, what are you doing? Like, well, I think part of that is ESPN has learned, learned their lesson with the SEC network. Uh, because as soon as they signed that deal, the SEC started going downhill. They signed a deal with Texas. Uh, what happened to te- the Longhorn network? What happened with Texas? What have they done? I mean, correlation is not causation, but at the same time, I understand how they might be cautious. I just think 
yeah. Uh, you got a good point about, I mean, anything's Notre better than Raycom, right? <laughs> so Notre Dame plays an ACC basketball schedule, right? Um, I mean, I feel like it would be nice to get them in full time um, in the football standing. I just think it's going to have to, stars are going to have to align with their NBC contract coming up, ACC getting its act together with a large t- television contract. Um, I just wish there was like a secondary option that was l- more legitimate than Fox for, um, you know, to go up against the worldwide leader. Yeah, for the love of God, not Fox, not CVS. Can't. I don't know. I'd be all right if Gus Johnson called some Clemson games. He's awesome. Yeah, but listening to them during SEC uh, broadcasts is CBS or sorry does that one. Well, yeah, we're listening they, to they CBS. do the Pac-12 and Big Twelve a lot generally. But anyway, um, let's talk this Carolina game. So uh, Clemson forty-five, North Carolina thirty-seven. Uh, it was a lot closer and lower scoring early. I think the the second half was as defenses started to tire, as play calling got a little looser. Um, some points went up on the board, but. By the numbers here, um, I think Clemson, through almost every statistical category, dominated this game. Um, let's look at time of possession here. 39 minutes to 21 minutes. Uh, we won the turnover battle 2-1. to one. Clemson ran 98 plays. I think North Carolina was in the 60s. Um, and then one of the keys that I talked about uh, to victory was containing their rushing attack. So Clemson held... North Carolina to 4.4 yards a carry, only 142 yards rushing, uh, whereas we ran for 5.7 on 319 yards. Um, Those 98 plays, by the way, I mean, that's – Chad Morris somewhere was was smiling. um, Watching that game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, we weren't as balanced. We were 42 past 56 run, but I think I'm totally good with that. Um, We we would rather be – uh, more run heavy than pass heavy because if you're pass heavy, that means you're probably falling behind. Right, and, and that's how we won the time of possession, and we want to keep our defense off the field because they're tired. Yeah, and we'll definitely get into what the keys of the victory here were, but that gives you a sense for the impact that Wayne Gallman had as well as Deshaun Watson with his legs. So, um, you know, just overall, a, a kind of a bruising performance. But as you can tell by that score, um, one score game, eight points. You know, there was some um, onside kick. You know. I guess nerve-wracking moments there at the very end, but um, I think score again is a lot closer than what the play on the field reflected. So about that onside kick, the big controversy. Did you think there was offsides? It, so there was not offsides, but there was an illegal formation. That's no, that's a rumor that turned out to be untrue because there was a there was a photo, a screenshot of the the lineup for the onside kick, and in one of them you can clearly see four guys. Uh, on the one side of the kicker like there's required and then the final image where everybody was talking about you only see three but there was something going on with that camera angle like there was two guys like perfectly aligned like one behind the other you couldn't see them so the formation was actually fine i think what it comes down to is on the on the near side of the field uh you know from the camera angle is there might have been one guy who was leaning a little bit too far forward over the line um, your feet, it's not just your feet, any part of your body, body breaking the vertical plane. I didn't get a good look down the line. I haven't gone back and looked at it um, from the naked eye, from what I saw. I didn't see an offsides. But not to say that it couldn't happen. And but it's I, a swallow the whistle it. moment too, right? Like generally. You got it. And again, onside kicks only happen in these moments at the end of games. So you yeah. either always call it tight or you don't, but... I think the biggest thing is we, we 
we need to learn how to catch onside kicks. No kidding. Not only that first one, but the second we Hunter Renfro, like props to him. Yeah, um, that one squeaked out too. I think that. that I think the first one was to uh, was the first one to Zach Brooks and popped out, and the second one was to Cordrea Tankersley. And I questioned last time in the last episode why was Ben Bullware on the hands team. Well, it turns out there's a reason because he caught that one right <laughs> last week. Good on him. I mean, I feel like in the past we've had like Artavis Scott out there, but we might have some guys that have been banged up that we don't want to have, you know, 250 pound guys landing on them. So anyway, um, hopefully our next couple games don't come down to onside kicks at the end. But um, overall, against statistically, Clemson looked great. We punished them on the ground and in the trenches in this game. Um, and did enough to win. Again, I think, you know, Clemson doesn't necessarily have that, like, blow them out, put them away. Um, you could call it a killer instinct thing. That's not what we figured out. We learned that in the Notre Dame game. We, we saw that in the Syracuse game. We saw that in a couple of other um, times this year, South Carolina as well. And um, I think we, we do enough to win, but, you know, it's as a fan, it, it can be be pretty harrowing we we really need to learn how to close out games especially on defense Uh, i think that's part of the problem i won't put it all on the defense because sometimes the offense puts us in situations uh where it's really tough on the defense Uh, but at the same time again this is a very young team this is things they'll learn i'm sure they'll talk about um in the off season or sorry in the in the weeks leading up to the playoffs um but yeah it's, it's certainly something we need to improve on but at the same time whatever we're winning games we're doing what, what is ever necessary to win games. At the end of the day, as long as we have the highest score, doesn't matter. I'll take it. A win is a win. Yeah, and I think it's, it's really about finding out what opponents are giving us and exploiting, exploiting that with our talent. We've been finding the way to do that. So, um, Yeah, speaking of that talent, I mean, I think we're clearly one of the most talented teams, if not the most talented team in the country. I think we've been playing a little bit tight lately. And again, I think that goes back to our youth. Not having been in, a lot of these guys haven't been in this situation before. And that makes me like marvel so much more at what they've been able to do. And uh, kudos to the coaching staff for keeping these guys, uh, you know, focused. But we have been playing a little bit tight. And I think one way to kind of loosen that up is to get early momentum in games. And, you know, we, we got off to a slow start in South Carolina games. So that didn't help. And that kind of stayed close throughout. Although there was a point in that game where we could have broken it open. Um, in this game, that first drive of the game, I think it was like fourth and three, and we opted for the 47-yard field goal that Hugo missed. I think you got to go for it there. I, I think that early, there's got to be a, you know there's a play in that offense. With right. Deshaun Watson, the quarterback, to get three yards. I think we got to go for it there and try to put a touchdown on the board to start off with. Because, again, that early momentum is really going to get... Uh, the, the team loosened up, the crowd into the game. Again, it was like 70%, 80% Clemson fans it looked like there. You got to go for it there. And Hugo put a good, I mean, it was right on line, um, just short, unfortunately. I don't know if he's kicked balls of that distance this year. He has um, one, I think as long as his 47 yards. His, and we spoke about this last, last time, how beautiful his kicks are. They're just like nice and easy and straight. The problem about being nice and easy, though, is he's not getting a lot of oomph behind him. They never seem like they're really like solid, like long distance kicks. So I think that came back to bite him uh, in this one. And I don't know. Who knows what happened? Whatever it was, it, you know, that aside, I still think we should have gone for it. Right. I mean, I also think we knew it was going to be a high scoring game. Dabo himself was talking in the pressers. And I don't know that it was just coach speak. Like, I didn't, I picked a pretty low scoring game, relatively 30 to 28. Um, just thinking defense would, it would take teams 
longer to get going offensively and the defense would show up more. But, um, I mean, I don't know that three points early is necessarily you know, going to make or break the game. Important to get those three. I think either go for it or pin them back and kind of play the field position game and um, let your defense, you know, do their thing. Well, from the distance, I'm not questioning why they kicked the field goal. Like, I certainly think that Hugel is capable of making a 47-yarder, obviously he has before this season. Maybe it was a situation, you know, he's experienced a lot of um, block kicks, at least in extra points. Maybe he was trying to get a little loft on it uh, and not drive it as much so it wasn't too low and could get blocked. Um, but, yeah, I, I still think we should have gone for it again. It's that momentum. We have a, such a talented offense. We can get those three yards. Um yeah, but it was a close game. We all predicted that it was going to be a close game, but it was close in a, a different way than I thought it would be. I thought it would be more back and forth all game, but really, we had an opportunity really there to 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 run away with it. Deshaun Watson's uh, only interception. We were driving, and I, no doubt in my mind we were going to go score a touchdown. We could have gone up forty-two to sixteen, and at that point, the game is over. I will question whether or not that pass was actually intercepted. I saw it moving around and hit the ground. It was called an interception on the field, so I can kind of understand whether or not there was enough information to overturn it, but I saw one good <clears> angle that was clear to me that I thought he was juggling the ball and didn't intercept it. What do you think? Um, I mean, the ball's allowed to touch the ground, provided right? It doesn't move and impact the catch. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, there might have been movement there. I didn't look at it too closely. But, but. it's kind of like the... Uh, the catch rule for me where you have to like secure the ball and make like an athletic move or something like for you to consider a catch yeah so if he's kind of the ball's moving all the way down and he hits the ground and the ball hits the ground is that really a catch yeah it's a fair point i mean i think i went back and looked at that play it looked like deshaun telegraphed his throw a little bit and normally when you say that that's when a corner jumps the route and not. he's had he's had a lot of balls batted down this right year, so i'm not sure how to defend against that he's already a tall quarterback but um Anyway, that was totally unfortunate. They, When they picked it off, they were at, I think, Clemson's 40. So, again, a really short field for us comparatively. Um, that hurt. And then, of course, we had the Andy Teasdall going rogue, kind of the mutiny punter <laughs> setup that quickly resulted in a touchdown also. Oh, my gosh. You, what, what was that? I don't know, man. Pretty terrible moment. And, you know, I, Dabo's generally not one to just chastise players, I don't think. I think he keeps a lot of that stuff behind closed doors. But... Man, you could tell he might have cussed on that one. He he blew a gasket. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> he um, might he might have cussed on that one. Um, but listen, these are all correctable mistakes, and we've said this you know, a lot recently. Unfortunately, that we do have a lot of correctable mistakes. It's not talent that's holding us back. Again, like I said, we're one of the most talented, if not the most talented, team in the country. They are correctable mistakes. Uh, so it's correctable mistakes and bad luck that really kept this game close. Now we keep saying correctable mistakes. We actually need to correct these, you know, because um, when we start playing against these, the next two teams, at least the next team we're going to play, Oklahoma, and then possibly an Alabama-Michigan State team, it's going to be really tough games. We can't afford to make these mistakes and still win the game. Um, so, But it is kind of a silver lining in that it's not talent. It's stuff that we can improve upon, and given all the time off, I think we will be able to. And again, let's not forget, these are young guys. They're getting big game experience for the first time. They're learning on the fly here. Um, we just have to figure out how to battle through or avoid these key turning points. You know, it was the TJ Green targeting call that that had a big impact. Um, it was that interception we spoke of. There was a lot of penalties. I think this is one of our most, if not the most, heavily penalized game of the year. We had 11 <coughs> penalties for 80 yards, and a lot of them were dumb. 
And then there was personal fouls involved in that. There was the botched punt we just talked about. Watson not spiking the ball before the half. I, don't I want to talk about that one. I mean, you, the gravity of that moment in that Florida State game where we needed to go for three points instead of a touchdown. I mean, thank goodness we pulled away in that second half and won that game. That could have cost us that game. I just that seems to me to be such a coachable thing, like scenario planning. I don't know if there. he has like. They were telling him to spike, but if he has free reign at the line of scrimmage, if he sees something to, to audible or something out of that. Um, but it is the second time we've seen that happen this year, and it was a head-scratcher. Luckily, we did we, we scored um, uh, before the half. But, yeah, again, it's, you know, no, it, no, it's no, one thing another, to run a play, but to, to, lear, to dive forward. I mean, it's and again, it's lucky that I think it was Leggett that caught the touchdown yeah. um, right there. I mean, I think that was... Time had expired, so he drops that pass. You know that's no points there. So anyway, you know, luckily didn't cost us the game, but it's something that against it's going to be a much tighter set of set of games the next two, provided we get through them. Got it. Got to fix this stuff. Well, as much as uh, I was criticizing not going for it on that first drive, uh, much props to Dabo for actually going for it there instead of kicking the field goal with whatever like two seconds left in the in the second quarter. Before the half, again, especially not getting the ball back to start the second half. It's all about the momentum, and I think that was a huge moment. Um, so, and then the drop passes on third down. Uh, again, we haven't seen that a lot this year. So, it's really all these little things that added up, and that's why the game was so close. But these are all easily correctable, and it just comes down to a little bit of an experience and being in a big moment. And listen, the moments are going to get a lot bigger. <laughs> so. We really need to. I mean, they need to focus on these things and improve. Well, and all teams have these have these moments as well. I mean, um, that's you watch that Alabama Florida game. I mean, they, they had that punt return touchdown, and you know there's some fumbles going on. Like this but, stuff happens. But this shows you how talented we are because we had all these mistakes and mental issues and problems, and still won the game. Still score 45 points. Yeah, exactly. Still, you know, yeah, exactly. So, um, anyway, moving on from the mistakes, was that. TJ Green targeting legit. I think it was. I mean, what wasn't, what was unfortunate was TJ Green did not have to hit him with his helmet. He could have pushed the guy over. Um, it was Switzer, I think. He leaned forward, helmet down. Don't lean with your helmet potentially. Lean with the shoulder. Push him down. He's that guy's not going to you know sneak out, squirt, squirt away. But in all him. fairness, like I don't know, maybe a big. It was helmet to helmet. I mean, that's. That's the target. But was rule. it intentional? I mean, first that's off, not, that's not what the rule is. The rule is not intentional. It's did you hit them with the crown of your helmet? Well, period. The word itself, targeting, to me sounds like it implies it's intent. Int- intent, but um, that's it, not how they've been calling and it. And when a guy, the last two years. when a guy, you know, refuses a, an onside or I'm sorry, a, a fair catch, and then balls up like a roly poly with his head forward, a guy, little guy, I don't know how tall he's, like five ten or something like that. Where else are you going to hit him? I mean, I, I don't yeah. know. That, it, fortunately, you just in with your head, I guess. Fortunately, fortunately it happened in the first half, and he'll be there for the, uh, the playoff game against Oklahoma. Well, what was not called was targeting on the onside kick. Exactly. I it, think. Not that it would have really made a lot of difference. At, well, it would have been a 15-yard penalty. Right. Um, it doesn't matter about the guy getting kicked out of the game at that point because it's the end of the game. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you know, they clearly missed that. There was a clear targeting on the onside kick. So there wasn't a lot to really argue about with the officiating this game, I guess. I mean, I, I didn't have a lot of – I didn't see a lot of controversy. 
I don't think the offensive line of North Carolina got called for, for one holding call the whole game, and I find that hard to believe. Um, yeah. But, you know, some interesting moments. I, I'm still – I guess maybe I don't disagree with the call on TJ Green. I kind of disagree with the, the, the spirit or the intent yes. of the rule. The rule is complete crap. I understand it's in the interest of player safety, but I think the interpretation – first of all, we need to coach players – both on the defensive side and on the offensive side, not to lean forward like that. And then the way you lead in with, with a tackle, um, I think those things are going to – you need these egregious penalties and these, like, they need to hurt your team for coaches to learn to coach the correct way for safety. So, yeah, I hate the targeting penalty, um, but it is what it is. It's out there. Um, obviously, this game was close, though, Ben. I mean, what do you think – from a Clemson standpoint, kept it closer. I mean, was it penalties? Was it our, our mistakes? Um, I, I don't know that we're giving enough credit, I guess, to North Carolina's capability here. I mean, they they do have a potent offense. We did shut down the run, but Marquise Williams, Marquise Williams was able to move the ball and put up points. Yeah, but I still don't give a lot of credit to North Carolina for keeping it close. I, I think it was all on us. Um, I think our defense overall played pretty well. Um you know, Shaq Lawson was constantly in the backfield, very disruptive. Uh, Kevin Dodd played a very good game, too. Part of it is our offense needs to help out our defense. You know, uh, we gave up scores after offensive mistakes. Um, you know, after one of our scores, after we went down and drove and score, they only scored on two of six drives. I think they scored on every drive after we had a huge mistake on offense. The missed field goal, the botch punt, and the interception. Right. So especially when we have such a gas defense, the offense needs to do their part and help. And the offense, uh, through untimely interceptions and fumbles in the South Carolina games, put the defense in very bad situations. Uh, so we can look at this defense and be like, oh, they haven't been playing as well lately and all that. But you got to put some of that on the offense. Uh, we're, we're giving them short fields. Teasdall is not getting off good punts. We're not flipping the field position. So the defense is, you know, they've been busting, but all year long they've, you know, so many guys have played um, tons of snaps because our depth is so thin. And, and I, I'm not, I don't think that that's a comp out. I think it's actually legit excuse. Um, so, Obviously, the the rest level is going to help this defense probably more than our offense um, with the next you know twenty plus days off. Um, where where do you think this is going to help our defense the most? I think the linebackers. I think uh, Ben Bulware uh, getting healthy. He's you know obviously has a shoulder injury, and then um, getting some guys some practice. I, I will look for maybe two guys from the defense uh, with this extra bowl practice to really step up and be ready to play in a big time game. Whether it's uh, Somebody a linebacker like Dorian O'Daniel or Jalen Williams. Uh, maybe Kendall Joseph has a light click and he can get in there. We saw Van Smith come in and do a serviceable job of replacing TJ Green. There were some, I, I think, some coverages and some schemes that to help him out. He did get uh, uh, beat a couple times. But the yeah, fact that he was falling down a little bit. But the fact that he was able to come in there and it wasn't like a huge drop-off was big. And I yeah, think we didn't get burned, basically. Yeah, and I think this extra time, just for the guys to get their legs back under him, uh, you know, J. Ron Kirst to me just always seemed like a guy who was a machine. He was a monster. And he just kind of got, was it Switzer that just kind of brushed him off? Like he was like a feather trying to tackle a bowling ball on that play. Their last, I think it was their last touchdown. And, you know, what was that? I mean, is J. Ron that tired? All he had to do was push him out of bounds, too. I don't know. 
I don't know that it's the, the hit that tired. Yeah, the hit didn't even impact him. J-Ron just bounced off. Yeah, not sure. That was unfortunate. And again, I think very similar to what we saw at the end of the South Carolina game where they were like a knife through hot butter um, carving through our, our offense. So hot knife through butter, I should say. Well, and thank our goodness our, well, thank goodness our offense is able to score so much. That was the thing. Like I knew coming into this game, it was like, Okay, North Carolina can keep it close. They have a good offense, but can they score more than our offense? Turned out not to be the case. I've mm-hmm. never worried about our offense in this game. I knew they were going to go down and score. It really uh, you know, comes to, you know, to the defense. What were they going to be able to do? But again, North Carolina scored two of six drives after we scored. When our offense gets on the field and does their thing, our defense is rested, is not going out there after three and out or having to play with a short field. Uh, they do their job. Yep. Maybe on the offensive side, what were your th- keys to victory this week Deshaun Watson he's always the key to he is the key he's the key to the city he's key to victory um he is superhuman man what a, another Heisman performance from this guy he's something special uh I just really can't put in words it's it's kind of unfair to him like I, I sit here all all year long and when he's not perfect or doing something right I'm like hey man Deshaun Watson seems off but it's because he is is so perfect most of the time like to be able to compare him to any other quarterback, I mean, he's on a level of his own. Um, and it's kind of unfair the way we sometimes maybe talk about him uh, missing some throws high you know, and whatnot. But, man, at the end of the day, he kind of brings it upon himself because he is so good. <laughs> yeah, just what he was doing with his legs, too. I mean, such an important part of the offense, too, his rushing. Um, and extending so, drives. So gutsy. Right. All, the, all the injuries that he's gone through, and he goes out there and – he knows how to get around people. He's not taking big hits, um, and you know he's he's out there to win the game. I mean, he's he is the key to this team. He's one making it go. What's making it go? I, I'll go so far as to say if that we had this Deshaun Watson last year with that defense we had, yeah, you're looking at a national championship. I think definitely. Um, so that's that's a coulda shoulda whatever what if. But um, it bodes well for this year. It bodes right. well for next year. I think for me. Um, one of the unsung heroes in this game is the O-line, and it has been for a while. Deshaun, I don't think he's taken a sack in a game now for three to four weeks. Um, these guys just continue to, to do very well. It seemed like on just about every second or third down when he would do a rollout, a design rollout, he would have a lead blocker there. We were able to shed blocks um, and make things work kind of with a zone, zone O-line play um, that worked well. But I don't know, just these guys continue to keep him upright and healthy when he's in the pocket. Um, and make the necessary moves. I mean, I don't know that we were necessarily fearing North Carolina's defensive front in this game, but kudos to those guys. Um, it's, it's easy to overlook their contributions. Well, yeah, and, and the losses that we had coming into the season and essentially replacing our whole offensive line, that Ryan Norton goes down early and Jay Guillermo comes in and it takes over for him, what Mitch Hyatt's been able to do, and Tyrone Crowder. Uh, he's been battling a turf toe inj- injury, and, and Maverick Morris has really stepped up. Uh, to really take some of the burden off of him. So, yeah, what a great job by this offensive line, you know, uh, this offensive line. UNC was physical, but our line played well, and eventually we wore them down. It was the, the running game was slow to develop early on, but at the end of the game, I mean, Gallman ended up with like 187 yards rushing, uh, which was huge. I mean, he's a workhorse. Just, gosh. Yeah, that's my third third key of this game is how great he looked. Um, the, Kirk Herbstreet on the broadcast talked about how fresh he was. He did play in the Carolina game. Didn't look amazing then, but I think getting that that time off against Wake, he still had over 100 yards in that game. Yeah, I, he's just incredible. And I think almost any other year, 
where we don't have a Heisman candidate at quarterback, you know, Gallman, this is kind of a, a vintage sort of Andre Ellington type. It won't go so far as to call it like a CJ Spiller type season, but um, definitely Gallman exceeded all expectations and had a great year. And we needed it in this game, and he got it done when we needed to. Yeah, so put it in uh, perspective here. Henry uh, for Alabama. Who? Derrick Henry, yeah. <laughs> that other guy that's going uh, one of the He's top like a two shoe in in the for the Heisman, basically. Yeah. Well, yeah, when you're running behind that offensive line at Alabama, uh, but he had 189 yards, but it was on 44 carries. That's like 4.3, 4.4 yards a carry. Gallman, on 28 carries, has 187 yards. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, he's running amazing. I mean, yeah, it was a little slow to get started, uh, but average 6.7 yards a carry in this game. And then you got Deshaun Watson, another game where we had two guys over 100. He had 131 yards on 24 carries. That's 5.5 yards a carry. When we're running the ball like that, uh, we're controlling the clock and the time of possession. It's going to be hard to beat us. And this is exactly what our offense needs to do. Avoid those other stupid mistakes and keep controlling the, the, the game on the ground. That's really going to take a lot of pressure off our defense. Well, especially when you start to play a high-power high offense like North Carolina or like what we're going to get with Oklahoma. Um, continuing to have that work and keep time of possession, gas out their defense, and that's going to be crucial in that game too. Yeah. Um, Any other thoughts on the offense from this game? Any highlights? Any performances you saw? Maybe any negatives? Any kind of disappointing performances? I think the freshmen kind of played like freshmen. Um, Kane had a couple false starts. Uh, Thompson had a drop. Renfro wasn't able to create separation, get open this game. Although he he did have like two or three good catches. Um, but then really like you know the freshmen are going to look like freshmen. But that's where you need your upperclassmen like Jermon Hopper Artavis. or Artavis Scott. Artavis Scott had a drop. Jermon Hopper had a big drop early on in the game, and he's been having a pretty good year as of late. So we really need those guys to, to step up and show their experience. I will say Sharon Peak was very solid. He played like a guy with experience. He broke some tackles after, after some catches and, and made some big plays. Um, I thought we got really good downfield blocking, though. Trevion Thompson, there was one Wayne Gallman play. He didn't quite score on it, but um, in particular that Thompson threw a great block. So they continue to do that. You know, credit Jeff Scott. Um, I think he's the the key receivers coach at this point, um, just for getting these guys ready. But it seems like almost every game we've had a different guy go out and be the deep threat. This time it was um, Artavis Scott who pulled that ball in. Amazing catch. He actually got both feet in the end zone. Um, he was a bit off balance there, so... Anyway, good. I think it was a net positive from the receiving core on the day. Um, definitely some correctable mistakes, hopefully, um, when it comes to the drops and certainly the false start penalties. But we didn't need them to play flawlessly. No. I mean, it was really the story in this game was our, our rushing attack, I thought. Yeah, and uh, Jordan Leggett still, uh, is a big part of the game plan. And we say this over and over again the fact that he's emerged this year and played up to his capabilities has been huge. Because we get to like third and like uh, mid range, six or seven, eight yard situations, and we look to each other and be like, Jordan Leggett, you know, that's the guy you go for. And he's been phenomenal catching the ball this year. I don't recall a lot of drops from him. He's been a big part of the offense. Um, one guy that came back this week, Ray Ray McLeod, um, we, we have a lot of, we have several packages and play calls for him. And he has the ability to be a game changer and really bust some big plays. He did not look as explosive on his touches in this game. 
Um, still coming off that injury, I did. I don't think he's one hundred percent, right? Yeah, I noticed him being a step slower. But I mean, we talked about all the time off uh, between now and the playoff game, uh, and how that will bode well for the defense. I think on the offense, he's one of the guys. Him and uh, Crowder uh, to get that turf toe injury worked out. It's going to be huge for them, and McLeod could be a big weapon. It's just another somebody else you have to worry about. Cool. So any, I know we, we touched a little bit on some of the special teams moments um, with Tzal's punting. It was nice, I guess, after his bonehead move, he was able to come in and really boot the ball. I think he had a little bit of extra motivation on those, but um, we were able to flip the field a bit. North Carolina was able to move it anyway, um, but I guess good on Tzal for making that adjustment after his big mistake. Uh, Hugel was otherwise pretty solid in this. No missed PATs. I know that's not something that we should well, that was talk about. Lakeup Lakeup was kicking the PATs right. in this game. And, you know, Hugel hit his other, other kicks outside of that initial drive. But um, I thought actually C.J. Fuller, uh, he was a little, little, little overzealous coming out of the end zone with some of those balls. If the ball goes into the end zone in the kickoff, we don't have the return game where you take it out. Somebody needs to be there telling because he tried once before that, too, to take it out when he was about four yards deep. Just knee it. Just knee it. Take the well, ball on the 25. He also kind of misplayed offense. one, and it rolled into the end zone, and fortunately that was a touchback. Yeah. This is where we need McLeod. I mean, they obviously didn't want to put, them back, put him back there in this game because of the injury concerns, but special teams, I mean, this is just another part of it, continues to be an issue. And it, 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 that's part of the defense too. It's the field position battle. We can't flip the field on punts. We, we're not be able to. We can't bring it out past the twenty uh, on kick returns. It's hugely helpful for the defense and the offense alike to be able to start on past the twenty. Or if we don't make it, you know, that far, we can have a punter that can kick it over forty yards. Do we bring in uh, Tarbell, the goalie from the soccer team, the Final Four, um, you know, Clemson team? That somebody can kick the ball. Yeah, I mean, we've got 25 days to prepare for this next game. I think special teams should be an area where, you know, dedicate some of that time, some of those plays um, to for getting our both our um, return game, but also just coverage. I, I think this is crucial. the one area we talk about that it's not a skill overall in the game, why these games have been so close. It's really been correctable mistakes. I think this is one area where we're lacking on skill. Clearly on punts, uh, we got to work something out with Tizal. We're going to have to bring somebody on next year. Uh, they can actually get the job done. And then kick returns have been better lately uh, in, in coverage. Uh, on our kick returns, it's still an issue. I think we're going to have the talented guys and explosive dynamic playmakers uh, moving forward in the future, so I'm less worried about that. Um, but it really comes down to punting. I think that's huge. Losing Bradley Penyon was a big deal. I don't know what the Niners were thinking, but... Good for Bradley. <laughs> Could have used a senior punter at this point. Absolutely. Um, well, any final thoughts from this game? I mean, overall, you know, we've been kind of nitpicking a little bit here, but um, dominant performance from Clemson. The defense stepped up once again in a big game. We saw that before with the Notre Dame game. We saw it with um, Florida State and again here. Uh, so overall, we got it done. Moving on, we will play the number four seed Oklahoma Sooners. Any final thoughts from this game, though, Ben? It's uh, just finally um, good to get some time to sit back and take a breath and reflect back on the season. It's been a magnificent ride. Like Not knowing what you have going into the season, you have high expectations. 
uh, to come out with a young team and to beat Louisville, Notre Dame early on, and then Georgia Tech, that gauntlet of teams. Um, and then that 58 to nothing Miami win, that was huge. And that really let you know that we were here and we were ready to, to make a run. Uh, to beat Florida State the way we did and end the season, it's always good to beat South Carolina and then to win the, to win the ACC championship. Listen, man, we made it through undefeated and won that championship with a really young team who were, who were worn down at the end of the season. Uh, but that just shows you that our talent, will, and guts push this team through that's on the players, that's on the coaches. And I'm really excited to see what a few weeks off and additional preparation will bring because I think it's going to be hugely, hugely beneficial. And I seriously think we can win the national championship. Yeah, I mean, you look at our last, since the West Virginia game, you look at our bowl preparation, you look at how we come to play against some of these teams, LSU, Ohio State, Oklahoma last year. Um, You can say those are lesser bowls. Those are not, you know, playoff semifinal games. Um, So maybe those other teams, you know, didn't, prepare themselves with the championship mindset. Um, but I think you give this coaching staff, you know, that, that much time to game plan and prepare the team. Um, we get, you know, first of all, we're, we're stacked talent wise, and then you get our banged up guys and the fatigue factor ironed out with the break. You know, this is a dangerous team. We are the number one team. We've earned that through 13 weeks of play. Um, but now I think it's a brand new season. You know, you, you hit the reset button. It's zero, you know, zero wins. It's a one and no mentality. Um, and I think we, I'm really excited. I think we've got, you know, a re- we've been dealt a really good hand here as fans. Yeah, well, all these teams we're going up against in the playoff can take a look at the end of the season and say maybe we kind of limped into this, but they better be worried because given the time off and the rest that we're going to have, be ready for us. The Clemson Tigers are coming. Absolutely. Um, well, we, we want to break down for you guys. Later on in the week, we're going to do another recap show. We'll talk a little bit more about Oklahoma. We'll talk about the bowl seedings across the country. There's been a ton of coaching updates, um, you know, that have impacted the ACC. We touched on a couple of those. Uh, South Carolina's got a new coach in um, Will Muschamp. So a lot to cover. We'll get into into depth on that. And then, of course, um, a week from basically this coming Saturday night is the Heisman um, announcement. Um, in Manhattan. We expect Deshaun Watson to be there. I don't think we know yet if he's an official invitee, but that's a shoe in So um, we'll definitely have an a episode where we break down the finalists, give our very objective thoughts on each of them, um, and break, break that down for you guys. So um, stay tuned for that. Um, maybe, Ben, really quick, we could touch on just the other two cha- big championship games this weekend. Well, they were all boring. <laughs> to say the least. I mean, SEC football is about, I mean, could it get any more boring? I mean, it's just very dull football. Um, Alabama ended up 29-15 to 15 over Florida. That's, That's two weeks in a row that they struggled through the first half with a much lesser opponent and then put it on late. Yeah, that's 13 more points for Florida than they scored against FSU. Um, and this game was 2 to nothing for a little bit. I mean... Yeah, it's just it's just not exciting football. They don't have quarterbacks. Nobody nobody in the SEC has a quarterback that can do anything. It's just it's not good football. Um, the same thing with the Michigan State Iowa game. Michigan State pulled that one off sixteen to thirteen. Um, again, another very boring football game. I mean, yeah, definitely. It's just from a style of play standpoint. Michigan State and Iowa are very physical teams. It's basically three yards in a cloud of dust, vintage Big Ten brand football. Um, 
It's going to be interesting to see Michigan State Alabama play. I think again, two physical line line focused line first teams. Um, so that that will be interesting. But I say bring on either of them. Um, you know, if we're able to beat Oklahoma, I think Oklahoma is probably our toughest matchup uh, out of these four teams. Um, Alabama, Michigan State. I, I think we can take both of them. Personally, I'd rather have Alabama. I want to beat Alabama. I want Dabo to beat Alabama. <laughs> Would be nice because da- Dabo could never go back to Alabama <laughs> after beating after them for a national championship. <clears throat> well, and it, the, we also failed to mention the Pac-12 championship didn't have any implications on the playoff. But Stanford beat USC. USC put up a pretty good fight. Um, their coach was retained. Uh, I think his name's Clay Helton. So um, I guess good to see that for Stanford. But uh, they will be in the um, Rose Bowl against Iowa. I'll just say, I mean, for Iowa, a team that's constantly year after year, kind of the, the mediocre team in the Big Ten, um, possibly even in the lower lower tier. It's nice to see them make it to the Rose Bowl. I think it's been a really long time coming for that to happen. So good for them. Um, it's going to be a nice Rose Bowl matchup. Probably pretty boring also, though. Likely. McCaffrey is probably going to go off in that game. It'll be interesting to see Iowa go up against uh, a different type of competition than what the Big Ten has to offer because I've said this – the Big Ten, I think, has been weak all year. Yeah, they have some teams with a lot of wins, but look at their schedules. Look at the teams they've beaten. They've all been kind of weak. I mean, Ohio State did this last year, didn't have a great season. They ended up winning the national championship. Um, give them credit for that. Listen, you got to be good, and you got to be the best team in the country to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't mean that they're the same team this year. Um, and, yeah, I, I just think the Big Ten, I, the, as much crap as the ACC gets as a conference, nobody gives the same to the Big Ten, and I think that's, you know, Part of it is because of prestige and history. Well, each of those schools has, I mean, they're, they're massive schools. It's, it's a numbers game. They all have, you know, hundreds of thousands of living alumni. Um, there's a lot of interest, a lot of hype, a lot of media following them, et cetera. Um, I just think thinking about the first two years of the college football playoff, Big Ten won the first year. Maybe we get, a bit, maybe we get an ACC winner the second year. Interesting to not see the SEC um, in that case. Could be three years in a row without a SEC championship. I mean, I think it's safe to say that 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 whole SEC era, which we all knew would come to an end, is coming to an end. Yeah, we will see. Um, maybe we can touch on the highlight coaching change that happened. Uh, will Muschamp in at South Carolina as a head coach. Uh, you may remember him from basically running the Urban Meyer, Florida, high-powered train into the ground, um, flipped it into a defensive juggernaut, but really whiffed on three offensive coordinator hires and was let go last year from Florida. Uh, mid-season he went to Auburn I would I don't think anyone's accusing Auburn of having a very successful year or even a very successful defense Um, they held Bama at the half Um, they were tied or down three or something at the half last week but um, I I would say this is probably not a home run hire for South Carolina they also um, this was the first one to open up when Spurrier quit halfway through the year and one of the last ones to be filled um, in the power five and just in general, you heard like Rich Rod turn them down. You heard a number of other guys um, who were rumored for that job just say no thanks. Tom Herman, um, the list goes on. Yeah, this is about the only gig that Muschamp could probably get um, in the Power Five. Um, you know, th- this is in line with like maybe Kentucky or something like that. That's the level of what the job at South Carolina is at this point. 
Um, you know, Virginia Tech, I think, is a more attractive job to a lot of coaches. Miami clearly was a more attractive job to a lot of coaches. South Carolina's just not an attractive job. Yeah, they had a few good years, but again, like we talked about, what, what, what came of that? Columbia is not a great place, and you're not going to be successful, I don't think, in the SEC in South Carolina. <clears throat> I mean, on, on another level, SEC East right now is a little bit down, but Georgia made a big hire with Kirby Smart. Um, you know, the SEC East is down, and South Carolina is the worst of all of them. Indeed. You would think if I was, what's his name, Ray Tanner, what you're selling is you can come in right away and win this division um, to someone who in the West you know, has been banging their head against the wall, something like that. But facilities, they've got kind of a deficit um, in the athletic department financially. You know, it's not not necessarily a marquee job. Well, Muschamp wasn't able to in, win the East at Florida. So how did that go? Do you think he's able to come into South Carolina and do the same thing? Yeah, it's curious. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, good luck to you, Will Muschamp. We'll be talking about you more coming up here. Um, ben, you mentioned it. The men's soccer team snuck into the Final Four um, in over basically went to penalty kicks. Um, I, I didn't realize this was on ESPN3. I was checking Twitter. People were talking about it. Lo and behold, it was on. So I watched last 10 minutes of regulation, um, both overtimes and then the PKs. Great to see Clemson get this win. Um, I think Maryland played with nothing to lose down the stretch. They got a late goal um, on when one of Clemson's best defenders had to go out after an injury. Um, they, they drew it. They you know tied the game up, leveled it. Um, but yeah, Clemson got it done in, in PK mode at Riggs Field. Great to see they're going to play Syracuse in the semifinal game this coming Friday. Um, and then the other two teams are, let's see, Stanford, Stanford and Akron. And Akron. So ACC represents fifty percent. Unfortunately, we play in the in the semis here. Um, I know some guys have played for Stanford. They're probably going to be a pretty tough team. They may they may make it through. But interesting to see Akron in there, um, a Mac school. Right yeah, where I grew up. But, but it seems like once you start getting into sports like this, that those lower-tiered schools actually make an impact. Think about college hockey. I mean, half the time there might be a school in there I've never heard of. Um, yeah, it's usually Maine. It's like Boston College, Minnesota, Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're the highest-seeded team remaining, uh, which is interesting to see. I mean, yeah, the soccer team has had a really great year, and certainly be pulling for them. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to watch the game against Syracuse this Friday. Um, it's in Kansas City. Um, which I, I did wonder at first if the cold, uh, the presumed cold in Kansas City was going to favor a team like Syracuse or Akron. Turns out it's not going to be that cold there. I think highs in the 60s mm. during the day and only in like the 40s at night, which this time of year in Kansas, it can actually be fairly cold. Um, yep. So, yeah, a lot, of, uh, a lot of excitement for this team. If we do happen to win against Syracuse and make the final on Sunday, I'm certainly going to be watching that uh, and cheering the guys on. Yeah, congrats to them. It's huge. Um, let's go get this done. And nice to have football and football um, both both through into the Final Four nationally. Yeah, football and soccer. Um, <laughs> any chance basketball get there? You know, the basketball team has actually <laughs> been kind of uh, playing above my expectations so far this year. We're 6-2 and two on the year. Uh, we just beat Wofford today, 66-51. to 51. We had a good defensive effort, uh, which... Um, We've had a lot of high-scoring game that, games this year. We didn't. We've had a couple games with not some great defense. It's been a question, but again, it's Wofford. So once we get into this, uh, these types of games, it's hard to tell. Um, but good to see the the effort out there. You know, we shot fifty percent from three. We've had some good three-point shooting games lately. 
I question if this is sustainable. I'm not sure that it is, and I worry a little bit that we need to develop more of our uh, uh, the post uh, presence and offensive identity there because I, I think we'll get into tough situations against better teams in the ACC that we're not going to be able to shoot like this. Um, that being said, though, Blossom game with 22 points. He continues to lead this team. He actually had a double-double, had 10 rebounds. Grantham, a solid game with 11. Holmes, another solid one. He's really been coming on. He had 10 points. Um, I talked about the post presence. Yeah. That concerns me. Noko only with eight and uh, Jate with three. Um, I think we got to figure out how to get more scoring from that position. I mean, I just don't know that – I don't think we're a perimeter team. I mean, I think it's it's a lot of movement, and these guys are blossom game scoring, but at the same time, it'd be nice to have a post presence and have that have that you know club in your bag, if you will. Well, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Legend Robertson can really step in and start to make a difference. He played only two minutes in this game, but it's good to see him back in after the knee injury he had um, in the last game. Um, I'm also excited to see that Ty Hudson is starting to get more playing time. He's really challenging Gabe DeVoe for minutes, it looks like. Um, but yeah, I, we can't rely on the three. It's just not, we're not the Warriors. We're not the Golden State Warriors, you know. Um, so we do need to find some more scoring in the in the paint. Um, Blossom game does contribute to that. And I think he will lead us all year. Is some other guy really look for Noko to step up. But at this point, I'm starting to lose confidence that he will. In these early games, I mean, it's where we can try some things out, find the identity of this team, find out where guys are going to be able to contribute. Where's the chemistry? Where are they going to gel? Um, but you're right. It's not necessarily encouraging seeing what we're getting out of the post. Um, well, and again, I mean, not watching the game today, it's hard to really comment on that. But, I mean, we can look at the – and Nogo, I think, is, uh, his field goal average was good. But if it is – if it if, if we call this a time where we need to be working on things, then that's something we should be working on um, and not just our outside shooting. Well, I think let's continue to keep an eye on the basketball team. Um you know, let's. I think we'll try to bring on some of the STS guys who are a bit more tuned into X's and O's um, going on in the court. But uh, stay tuned for that. Maybe Jay Ingles, um, maybe Ryan Cantor will come on and, and speak to the basketball team here. Yeah, well, and and all these things aside, I still think overall that I'm very encouraged about uh, from what we've seen from this team this year. We're going to have some uh, uh, some more games coming up that we'll really be able to get a feel for what this team is before we go into ACC play. I think we have Alabama, South Carolina, and Georgia uh, among them. So let's see how we get through. If we're able to make it through um, our non-conference schedule schedule without a loss, I think we're looking pretty decent going into ACC play. Very good. Uh, Well, thank you all for tuning in, guys. Um, Once again, stay tuned later in the week. We're going to do a little bit of a Heisman preview catch up on the coaching carousel, um, take a look across the bowl landscape, talk about the matchups we're looking forward to, and um, in general, just revel in um, kind of the the mini break we get before the playoff begins. So um, once again, thanks for tuning in. Tell a friend. Feel free to subscribe to us or leave us a review on iTunes. Um, Every single one helps us out. We appreciate that. And um, in the meantime, let's savor this victory. And go Tigers.